But to start, I want to ask you a question, uh, and I'm keen to hear some answers. Uh, what do you do straight after Christmas? Uh, or what did you do this Christmas, after this Christmas, this last week? Did you get a break? Did you have a bit of a rest uh, after all the busyness of December and all the food comas that we maybe went into? Uh, what did you do to wind down for the end of the year. So how about some bold people share uh, what's one thing that they got to do this week that was a bit out of the ordinary that they do after Christmas or got to do this week? As little as possible. Thank you. Great contribution from Rob. Watch cricket. Yep, yep. I thought right, cricket was on in my vicinity. Let's just say I wasn't watching it. Anything else? Anyone get to like a task that they never usually get to? Clearing out the kitchen cupboards. Yep, I cleared out a filing cabinet today. It was great. I didn't wash my car when I should have. Who watched a lot of TV? Oh, only a few people. That's good. That's good. Good ways to relax. Uh, For me, the few things I got to do were take a few more naps. In fact, a lot more than I usually would take. Uh, I got to go for a few swims, which is really nice. We just had such beautiful warm weather, so swimming was a highlight. And the third thing was unexpected, and that was looking after my sick kids who fell sick on Boxing Day, of course. Um, But they're all good now, so that's good. Uh, So that's what many of you have done, what many of us have done straight after Christmas. What are we doing in church straight after Christmas? We're reading what happened straight after Christmas, uh, straight after the very first Christmas. Uh, We're continuing in Luke's Gospel for a few chapters over the next few weeks. Now we've heard what we have done straight after Christmas. What did Mary and Joseph do that very first Christmas and straight after the birth of Jesus? Well, we just read it. Let's take a look at it now. Keep your Bible open at Luke 2. Have a look at our first section. It's verses 21 to 24. What do we see there? We see, verse 21, Jesus is circumcised at just eight days old. Uh, no surprises there for a Jewish, young Jewish family. Uh, and then, verse 22, a few weeks later, because the, the days of purification it talks about there, that was a few weeks after this baby was born. The little family, after those few weeks, travels from Bethlehem up to Jerusalem, to the temple in Jerusalem. Now, why do they do that? And why does Luke point this out to us? We'll look again at those verses, 22, 23, 24. What, what word or what phrase is repeated three times in those verses? This is one you can answer. What, what's the word, what's the phrase that comes up three times in verse 22, 23, 24? This is first day of the year, so we're a bit more casual, we're a bit more, I want to hear more from you. What's the word that's repeated? Yeah, thank you, Mark. So it says, according to or because of the law of Moses or the law of the Lord. And it says that three times in three verses. So Joseph and Mary, what what is he showing us? It's showing us that they are careful to do everything that is written in God's law, everything in his Old Testament word. They circumcise Jesus, just as God's word says. They wait out the days of purification, just as God's word says. They take Jesus, their firstborn, to the temple to dedicate him, to make a sacrifice for him, just as God's word says. They obey God's written word. 
And they obey even his more recently spoken words because they name him Jesus just as the angel said, just as God said through his messenger. So we see here God's word is followed. We see faithfulness and we see fulfillment. We see a humble and faithful Israelite family doing everything that God's word says so that they, so that Jesus can fulfill everything written in God's law. And this is just the beginning of everything that Jesus goes on to do to fulfill the law, God's Old Testament law, to obey everything, to follow everything that his heavenly Father commands in his written word. It's wonderful. This is just the beginning. God's word is followed. There's faithfulness and fulfillment. Well, now, what do we see next in the story? Straight after that first Christmas, well, as Jesus is taken to the temple to do some of these things, we see a man named Simeon who sees God's salvation. Now, hopefully you've read these verses before uh, and you know about Simeon and Anna. Uh, but if you've never read about Simeon and Anna before, I'm really excited because you get to be introduced to these amazing, remarkable nobodies. Uh, they're the unsung heroes of the faith, except that they're written about here. So look at verse 25 and 26 there. Simeon, he's a faithful Israelite who has God's spirit. That was unusual for that time. And he has this promise from the Holy Spirit that he will see with his own eyes the Lord's Messiah before he dies. He will see the promised king in the line of David, the king who will reign forever. And so look at verse 27. What happens? Well, it happens by coincidence that Simeon and Joseph and Mary and Jesus walk into the temple at the same time. Is that what it says? No. No, it says that the Holy Spirit guided Simeon to go to the temple to be there for this very moment. So while Mary and Joseph, they're minding their own business, they're attending to the sacrifices and such, well, Simeon sees them. And so he starts walking towards them. He knows who this baby is. As he goes towards them, it sounds a bit stalkerish, but it's Holy Spirit stalking, so it's kind of okay. Uh, he kind of goes up to them, and all of a sudden, he has Jesus in his arms, and he's shouting, except he's shouting praise to God. He's praising God. Look at what he says. Simeon shows us these wonderful things about who Jesus is. Verse 29. Look at these beautiful words. Now, Master... You can dismiss your slave in peace as you promised. God, I can die a happy man now because I've seen what you promised to show me. And what does Simeon see? Look at verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Just stop there. Do you, do you see what Simon has just done? God promised that he would see the Messiah. He sees the baby Jesus and then he says, I have seen God's salvation. See, the Messiah, this baby, and God's salvation, they're not three things, they are one thing. Simeon sees Jesus, God's salvation. Simeon sees Jesus, God's saviour, king, the Messiah. The one whose name, his very name means the Lord saves. The one who will save his people from their sins. But Simeon, he's not the only person to see God's salvation here. He's the first person maybe to get it. But have a look at verse 31. 
He says, I have seen your salvation, verse 31, you, God, have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. Simeon says, Jesus is God's salvation, yes, but he's come for all to see, for all to know. So he's not just come for the Jews, his people, the Israelites. Uh, He's come for the Gentiles too, the non-Jews. But he hasn't just come for the Gentiles. God also wants his Old Testament people, Israel, to turn back to him, to to recognize his salvation through his son, the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the light, Simeon says, the shining bright light that shines to the Gentiles so that they can see the way of salvation and turn to the God of Israel. Jesus is the shining, and shining glory of God to the, the people of Israel as well, so that they can know their Messiah, so that they can know they can receive every promise that God has made to them as a nation. So Simeon's words, they're beautiful, and then they're even more beautiful and more wonderful because his words are this kind of beautiful mishmash of some of the words of Isaiah, Isaiah's prophetic words. I wonder if you thought that as we read out Isaiah and then we read Luke, before. So have a look at Isaiah 52, verse 10. We read it before, just how similar it is to Simeon's words. Where is it? Here it is. Isaiah 52, the Lord has displayed his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, the Gentiles, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. We'll look at Isaiah 42. This is God speaking to the promised Messiah who will come He says, It is not enough for you, Messiah, to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob and restoring the protected ones of Israel. I will also make you a light for the nations, the Gentiles, to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. See, not only does Jesus fulfill the Old Testament law like we saw before, he obeys it, he follows it, but he also fulfills all the wonderful prophecies of the Old Testament, about the Messiah, about God saving a people for himself, about God restoring Israel and then calling Gentiles to be his people as well. And so Simeon is saying, Isaiah's prophetic words, they are fulfilled today in this little baby, the Lord's Messiah, God's salvation. That's what we see, Simeon declaring straight after the first Christmas. Well, now, straight after that, we get our final part of the passage. If you look down at verse 38, it says, at that very moment. So at this very moment, we see a woman named Anna. She's come up to Joseph and Mary and Jesus. She's old. She's been a widow for many, many decades, but she's a prophetess. She's a faithful Israelite. She serves in faithfully in prayer all day and all night. And it seems that Simeon's outburst has kind of caused a bit of a stir. And so Anna has noticed, oh, what's going on here? And so she sees, she realizes who this little baby is and what does she do? How does she respond? Well, look at verse 38 again. Here's another question for you to answer. Uh, What are the two things that Anna does in response to Jesus? Two things in verse 38. What does she do in response to Jesus? Someone shout it out. the first thing she does sorry yeah gave thanks yeah she thanks god she thanks god for this little baby 
for God's salvation. And then she... Sorry? She spoke about it. Yeah, so not necessarily prophesied, just, just talked about him. Just was like, oh, wow, this is, this is the person we were waiting for, so we're going we're gonna to talk about him. So look at it again. Verse 38 says, At that very moment, during Simeon's outburst, at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God, one, and two, speak about Jesus to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. That's all who are looking forward to, to God fulfilling all his promises from the Old Testament. So she sees Jesus. She sees God's salvation. And what does she do? It's actually just so simple, isn't it? And it just makes sense. She thanks God for Jesus. And she tells people about Jesus. You see, Anna's response. Anna is the person that everyone should imitate. Anna is the person that uh, every Christian should follow that every Christian can and should do these two things. This is what anyone should do when they see God's under salvation, when they understand who Jesus is. First, you rejoice and, and you thank God for the salvation that he gives us in Jesus. The forgiveness of our sin, of our rebellion, our blatant ignoring of God that all of us have done. You have the forgiveness of all of those things. And then the blessing of eternal life and being in God's family forever. And so you praise him. When you see that, when you know that, you praise him and you give him thanks. You give him the glory that he deserves. And second, well, you speak about him. You declare the praises to other people. The praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The one who's called you into his kingdom. So it's, it's two things. It's rejoicing and thanking God. It's two, talking about him. It's two things, but it's really just one and the same, isn't it? They go hand in hand. As you thank God and rejoice for what he's done for you, shouldn't it then just overflow to other people? Like it did for Anna. Straight away, she just started telling people, friends and family, co-workers, strangers. Because, and this is what you do when your eyes have seen God's salvation, like Anna did. When you see in the scriptures, when you see in the gospel message, the salvation of God through Jesus given to anyone who would believe, it makes you want to rejoice and it makes you want to share it. You see, how can you rejoice in something if you don't talk about it? You can maybe a little bit in your heart, but if you rejoice in something, you talk about it, don't you? you can't. How do you shut up about something that you love and are excited about? You can't. It's just what we are like. Talk to me about music and guitar stuff or talk to me about my family and you'll just hear me talk and talk and talk. You'll see me rejoicing. We talk about the things we rejoice in. And talking about something you rejoice in is rejoicing in that thing. Talking about it completes the joy that you have in that thing. So why then are we always tempted to cut that circuit? when it comes to rejoicing in Jesus and talking about him. Why do we thank God, if, if we do thank God, and then fall silent? It's straight after Christmas. We've just heard the wonder of God becoming flesh and dying for us. As we start this new year, straight after Christmas, on the very first day of the year, shouldn't we imitate Anna as we see her here? As we see Jesus, as we see God's salvation, let's thank God like Anna and let's talk 
about him. That's a New Year's resolution that's actually worthwhile making and keeping and not giving up on. Will your year, your 2023, be marked with thankfulness to God for his salvation through Jesus? Will you strive to wake up each morning and rejoice in the fact that God loves you, that he sent his son for you, that he paid the penalty for all our sin and rebellion against him, that he makes us one of his children with Jesus and that he will one day bring us into an eternal kingdom with him. Praise God each day intentionally for that grace that you have by believing in him. Will your year be marked by that? And by by a million small thank yous to God, expressing thanks again and again for that truth. And will will you mark your year this year by talking about Jesus? By talking about him more than any other year so far. Sharing how great you think he is. Or what you've read about him in the scriptures recently. About how, how you are thankful for the way he has saved you and laid his life down for you. Or could it be inviting more people to church than you ever have before or to the life course coming up later on? Will you rejoin that circuit if if it's been cut so that as you thank God and rejoice in Jesus, it then just overflows out of you so that all who could hear will hear? Let's pray for that. Our gracious Father, we give you thanks again for your word. We praise you for the examples of Simeon and Anna who saw Jesus, understood him, rejoiced, thanked you, and then spoke about him to others. Please give us the same heart of thankfulness. Please give us the same heart of boldness to speak about the wonder of your salvation through the Lord Jesus to all who will listen. And we pray in his name. Amen.